So as we come to our gospel, le- I mean our yeah, our gospel lesson for today, I invite you to stand and sing with me the hymn for the series, at least the first half, O God of Earth and Altar, number 484. <gasps> skipped a few, and we're now on 1 Samuel chapter 8. Now when the prophet Samuel had become old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abiha. They were judges in Beersheba. Yet Samuel's sons did not follow in his ways, and they turned aside after gain. They took bribes, and they perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Saul at Ramah and said to him, You're old, and your sons do not follow in your ways. Appoint for us, then, a king to govern us, just like all the other nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to govern us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, Samuel. They have rejected me from being the king over them. Just as they have done to me, 
from the day that I brought them up out of Egypt to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so also they are now doing to you. Now then, listen to their request. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So Samuel reported all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. And Samuel said, these are the ways of the king that's going to rule over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots as infantry. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and equip his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cookers and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his courtiers. He will take one-tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and his courtiers. And he will take your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys and put them to his own work. He shall take one-tenth of your flocks, and you shall all be his slaves. And in that day you will cry out to the Lord because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, we have determined to have a king over us, so that we may be like all the other nations. And that our king may govern us and go out before us and fight our battles. And when Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, listen to their voice and set a king over them. And Samuel then said to the people of Israel, each of you return home. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts may be an honor and a glory to you. Amen. So 1 Samuel has a major theme, and that is wait for the Lord, seek the Lord, ask him what he wants before you do something. And in the book of Samuel, the thing that sets the prophet apart from everyone else is that simple phrase he speaks as a child. When he hears the voice and he goes and says, Speak, Lord, for your servant listens. Listening, the failure to communicate is the real problem in 1 Samuel. Because there's a failure to wait and seek the Lord that sets off all the bad events in this book. There's the Ark Saga. The people, they go out and they get militarily defeated and they don't go and ask the Lord what they should do. They just grab the Ark and carry it out with them. And they lose. We have the king here and the whole kingship is going to be this thorn in Israel's side for the next three books. They're not waiting and seeing what the Lord wants. They're just telling him what they want. And the first king that will be ordained, Saul, will eventually get himself rejected specifically because when he's supposed to wait for a prophet to show up, he decides to take things into his own hands. He's not going to wait. He's waited long enough. Samuel's late. And that's what gets him into trouble. And the reason we get in trouble when we don't wait, when we seek to do things in our own efforts, is what the Lord tells to Samuel. They have rejected me. Now that gets to the questions. Are kings that bad? 
Does God feel that rejected that we want earthly rulers? I don't think that's quite the lesson, because we know that down the road, just a few books over, God has King David planned, who is the very start of the whole Jesus saga, which God also has planned to reveal to his people. The issue is, is this king, he's just not for now. God's planned deliverance is not for the exact second the people want it. And so today's lesson is deceptively simple. We either wait on God and his plans, or we reject him and his plans. Now that's easy to say when our plans are bad, half-cocked, or just plain stupid. And we've already had a couple sermons on that when the people lost the battle, grabbed the ark, and decided, oh, now we have magic power, so we're going to win. It's also slightly easy to say, wait on God, seek his will, when we have something murky. It's an iffy thing. It's 50-50, Lord. Which one do you think I should do? I mean, show God, show me the way. Jesus, take the wheel. Uh, some mean that sincerely. Some don't. But we can at least admit to it. But the test, where we're going today, the test is when we propose to do good things or to even do God's service and what he commands. You see, we see that in regards to a king. A king for Israel at this point in its history would be good. He'd fight the battles. They'd maybe stop losing so much. And the people won, want one because they know all the good things the king can do. Security, protection. But Samuel also points out all the bad things a king can be. And taxes are just the start. Kings have a tendency of being like, uh, not being the most kind people on the planet. You can't really tell a king no when he decides he likes your stuff. And so a king, as a good thing with God, a king can be a David, a bringer of justice, doing the impossible things, knocking out Goliath. But a king without God, it's a cruel tyrant, robbing people of all possibilities. So, okay, there's some good things you guys may say, like a king. I see how this fits for a king. That's a good thing, but we should ask God to, to control it on us. But I'm going to push. I'm going to push and say that waiting and seeking God's will even holds on to those good things that God commands. Because we may have an idea that we are going to do some good work for God. But if we go off running into it without him, can you at least see how such behavior might withhold blessing because see god is all goodness he wishes through us not just to work a single good he wants to not just have a human kindness a human love but he wants to as we spoke last week with the holy spirit pour his energy power his love his being into everything we do so even the good things like charity and stuff they can be kind of like the king because we can come to the Lord and sometimes even with good intentions, his answer is no or not yet. For all we know, he has other workers and he has other plans for us. Yet often we don't seek, we don't listen. And I think that's why this lesson is so hard, even though it's deceptively simple. If we don't learn to listen in our regular lives when the pressure's on, what are we going to do? Because it's the bad days that this really counts. Israel wants a king here because they are under attack and the country is falling apart. 
We often as Christians want to help the most when our heartstrings are tugged. When we come up to that bad case, there's a big giant national event. We seek matters and we seek solutions and to do something because stuff is so pressing. Now, much is commanded. Feed, clothe, rescue the perishing. If you wait on those kind of things, there's a point of disobedience. But outside of those things, and I trust that all of you have the Spirit guiding you to recognize when those are, we often do not take any time to discern, and we do that because we are impatient. And we are only ever impatient with God because of a basic lack of belief. That's why God takes this lack of patience here in 1 Samuel and says, they have rejected me. Because see, the people of Israel, they didn't believe in Israel answering, blessing, working, healing, solving. That's why they didn't go to him. They didn't think if they said, hey, Lord, the world sucks, would you fix it? That he would. And that lack of belief can have big consequences. For Israel, the king so reject God and wreck the nation that they get wiped out. In our day, we see charities, churches, close and fail. People doing good works and getting nowhere. And many Christians struggle in their own personal walk. They seek to love their neighbor. They seek just to repent and knock off the stuff they don't want to do anymore. They want to know God. And they do all the right things as best as they can. But at best, the Christian life is chores. Praying is absolutely terrible. All these things that should be good, like Israel's king, become bad kings. They rob them. All the religion robs them of joy. If only they would cease the works and grab a little bit of that faith. Because it's by faith that we grab God's presence. It's by faith that we grab his blessing. And it's by faith that we are enabled to do his work. Because see, if you wait on the Lord with the silent belief that he will actually come, you'll find the Christian life is not working. It's joyful. God's presence is so real with us, it transforms us, it influences everything, and it blesses us to do these good things. Because the key that sets everybody apart in the book of 1 Samuel is what Samuel says. Speak, Lord, your servant listens. So my only real point today is that, but my question to you and my application here is do we ask that? Even when we're doing bad things, we hardly ever ask it. When it's an iffy question, sometimes I ask it and don't really mean it. But what if it's the good things? Both saints and sinners, workers and repenters should ask, am I waiting on the Lord? Am I really speak, seeking what he wants to do? And if not, why? Because I think this is a pressing issue today with many struggles. We can come up with all sorts of plans, big topics. There are many worthy causes, but do we bring any of them to God? Do we trust him to take them once they are brought? And moreover, do you expect God to answer you in any way, shape, or form? And even greater, do you expect God to actually give you power and blessing to work out these things once he has revealed them? A no at any one point should cause some reflection. A no at any one point is the explanation for why you may be lacking victory, for why you may be sitting here thinking, oh, he's talking about God actually talking to me? That's crazy. That no at any one point shows where you should start. Because see, if you will come and heed and just say, here it is, Lord, 
speak your servant listens. God will accept it. He will bless it. And your Christian life will start to be transformed, not because of your own working, but because of his. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, not the fruit of our works. So if you want the life of love, you want the life of victory, the life of blessing, speak, Lord, your servant listens.